0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the February. It's already February, <laughs> thought it was January. The February live instructor chat. And today we are going to be talking about the registered level therapeutic writing instructor certification through PATH International. Um, and while we're waiting for a couple people to jump on here uh, for the live chat, we are i I do want to clarify that um the process that i'm talking about right now is the current registered instructor certification process so the new process uh that is the um the ctri that's going to be piloting and rolling out in the middle of this year um what i'm sharing with you right now will most like well will may or may not apply So I do want to clarify that I'm talking about the current process for the the PATH International Registered Therapeutic Riding Instructor Certification. Um, Right now there's just not enough information out um, and the process has not been fully piloted or implemented for the new CTRI thing to give you guys tips about that. So we're going to focus on the current process for those of you that are going through certification um, that way. And that is the way that I've been familiar with for the past uh, 10 years now. Uh, So I'm gonna be passing on that information. And even if you go to another certification like a CHA certification, um, a lot of these tips also apply. They're just kind of tips that will help you prepare for an instructor certification. Um, so if you are joining in live or even watching on a replay, if you can share where you're from and if you are tuning in because you are going through the process of becoming a therapeutic guiding instructor through PATH or you're interested in going through the process or you're a mentor um, and you you have a mentee that's gonna go through the process, I would love to hear uh, who you are and um, who's listening. So, And then the last thing that I do wanna clarify Um, before we kind of get rolling here is that I am doing this on my own time. Um, I'm representing myself as Sabre and Falls and footfalls. This is in no way meaning to represent PATH or the main office at all. This is just me sharing information um, as a mentor and someone who's gone through certification and someone who's been a host site rep. So um, this is in no way endorsed by or paid by PATH or anything like that. This is just me sharing information with you guys. So just clarify that. Um, so, the, all the tips that I'm going to be sharing with you guys are from my experience as a candidate. So, I've gone through this process. I have a registered level and advanced level certification through PATH. Um, I have been a host site representative. So, that means that I have actually been the person coordinating and facilitating the, um, the uh, PATH workshop and certification and then I have been a mentor, so I've helped probably close to two dozen people um, go through this process. High pass rates as well, because we've kind of figured out that, the equations and everything that works out. And then also now as faculty and evaluator, so kind of having that, um, that background as well. So all of these tips I'm gonna be sharing with you are from those four different kind of mindsets. So candidate, host site rep, as a mentor, um, and as a faculty evaluator. And then also, this information too is not just my ideas and stuff, but it's also other tips that have been passed on to me by other mentors. And also by watching hundreds of people go through the certification process at the premier credit center I work for and um, talking to them and Listening to them and seeing what they did before they came and what made them successful or maybe not as successful So these are kind of tips and stuff that I've gathered from other people and other mentors and people going through the process and just kind of putting it all together so um, so, Christina, welcome, thanks for joining in live. And you have two mentees going through it this year, Woohoo! Um, and Christina, are you planning on having them go through the current process, or are you gonna have them wait it out for the new Catri one? If you can comment on that, I'd just be interested to know. Uh, so, before we jump into the tips, I do wanna clarify that um, when I say the word candidate, that means that we are referring to the person who is going through the process, um, and who is attending the certification. So candidate's just kind of that, that term that we use. So if you hear me use the word candidate instead of like participant or something like that, that's just um, the, the term that we usually use when we're referring to the person who's testing for certification. So before certification, there is actually a lot of stuff that you can do or as a mentor you can do for your um, mentee to help them prepare and set them up for success. So you don't have to go into this blind. There's a lot of kind of homework and um, footwork that you can do before you attend. So I would highly recommend that um, if you are not able to attend a workshop, and then have a few months and then go through certification, um, if you're not able to split that out, that you at least be extremely familiar with the process. So what does certification look like? Um, What does the candidate debriefing look like? So what do you talk about before you um, actually go into the certification? What do you get given uh, that gives you the information that tells you about your riders that you're going to be teaching. How do the horses get selected for you? Um, What does the the whole process look like? So be very familiar with that process because that's going to help make you um, feel more comfortable and not blindsided by some stuff that's going on. So uh, if you are a mentor or if you're someone going through the process and you're not sure what it looks like, ask me questions, I'd love to share that information. Um, Or, you know, you can audit a workshop and audit a certification and stay and watch the process. Watch and learn um, so that you can observe and soak in all that information before you actually go out and you're testing and you're kind of stressed, possibly, in that moment. So there's nothing wrong with taking a little extra time. And then also, as you're preparing for a certification, realize that teaching for that 20-minute certification lesson And riding a horse in that certification riding test is a little bit different than a real-life lesson and the people that I've mentored um, we really hit on this point that you have to kind of play the game of certification and not saying that all of the things that you need to demonstrate in certification you're not going to use in everyday teaching because all of the things that they want to see you know the what's the how's the why's um, the arena presence, how you interact with your students, how you do volunteer management, all of that stuff that you have to show during certification is stuff that you definitely need to apply during everyday lessons. But in certification, you have 20 minutes to show the evaluators that you know what you're doing. And so there are certain pieces that you need to fit in within that 20 minutes. So, um, you need to do your, 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 tech check and your, um, your equipment check off, helmet checks, mount your two riders, get them in, do a warm up and a recap, teach the main skills, show some type of progression in your student, do a wrap up or maybe a little activity, dismount and then um, be done. And that doesn't sound like you know a ton of stuff, but when you have two students in 20 minutes, that time goes by really fast. So yes, there is a, a little factor of playing this certification game and putting everything in a certain order. Um, and making sure you fit in all that criteria you need to show um, to, to really do well at certification. So I would encourage you to gear the last few lessons that you teach before certification towards certification so teach those 20 minute lessons Um, you know really go through and and check off okay am i hitting this 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 am i hitting all the all the instructor criteria that they need to see and path has a rubric in the registered level instructor certification book uh, that you can look at that says you know what meets criteria what does not meet what exceeds so read through that become familiar with it and especially if you're someone who's mentoring someone you need to be familiar with that that information so, a few helpful tips for people to do before you go into certification, and we're gonna be talking about teaching first, and then we'll talk about preparing for writing, and then preparing for writing if you're doing the accommodation, and we'll talk about that in a second. So before you go into certification, um, thinking about teaching, make sure that you practice teaching in that 20 minute time frame, because if you're used to teaching a 30 minute lesson or 45 or 60 minute lesson, um, and you know, with five or six riders, that is going to look a lot different than 20-minute lesson to two students. So make sure that you get in, you know, one or two lessons that are looking like your certification format. So 20-minute lesson from start to finish, showing mount your lesson and your dismount. Um, and if you can do it with just two students instead of you know four or five or six, that is very helpful. So as best as you can, and I know we're all at busy facilities usually, and we've got limited students, limited horses, limited volunteers, limited time, um, but do the best you can to simulate that 20 minute certification lesson because that is gonna make you feel a whole lot better on your home turf before you go to a new arena with new horses and new volunteers and new students. So try to do that at home. The next tip before you go to certification is to write up lesson plans for common skills that you think that you might be teaching. So walk halt transitions, walk trot transitions, uh, reining, direct reining or neck reining, um, two point, bending, sitting trot, identifying posting diagonals. So those are all kind of common go-to things that you might teach, depending on the students that you get assigned. So it's not gonna kill you to write those lesson plans ahead of time and practice the wording and practice your delivery and getting comfortable with those common skills So that you can pull from those uh, when when the certification time comes and you see your two profiles for the students that you get and you can say okay well hmm i think walk trot transitions is going to fit well and now here we go i've already practiced that i'm comfortable with it i've got the lesson plan written you adjust a few things to adapt to those students that you have and then you're good to go don't go into it blind and not even practicing skills Um, so write up lesson plans for your common skills that you might be teaching Biggest tip probably beforehand. And then again, practice teaching those skills. Get the wording down, get the delivery down, um, make it clear, concise, and making sure that you're hitting that what's, how's, and why's of that skill that you are teaching. Do some mock teaching scenarios off of two student profile uh, papers. So you don't even have to go out and teach that lesson, but if a mentor or maybe a fellow colleague or friend can write up two Profiles of student a and student B and give you a diagnosis and an age and maybe some things that you see and what the student has done before Um, take those profiles and then write a lesson plan off of it and Then sit down and talk about it with your mentor and discuss. Okay. Was that a good skill to assign? Did you have appropriate skill progression? Was it enough of a challenge Um, How would you have handled something if the students were maybe more advanced than you thought or less advanced than you thought? So do some dry runs of reading profiles and building a lesson plan off of not being able to see that student first. That is super helpful as well because when people walk in and they see those two profiles in front of them and they've never done that before, that can be a little intimidating. So practice that beforehand. Um, make sure that you, or not make sure, but uh, a really good tip, too, is to record your teaching. So record your teaching and um, either, hold on just a minute, sorry. No, no not right now. Go I'll get it for you when I'm done, okay? Sorry about that. I said, I an avocado. <laughs> okay, um, so record, record your teaching and watch it. So record your teaching and sit down and watch it with your mentor. Or maybe if you don't have access to your mentor at that time, sit down and record your teaching and do an evaluation on yourself. Have a peer uh, do an evaluation on you. Watching yourself teach is a huge benefit before you go through certification. And it's going to be weird. It's going to look, it's going to feel awkward watching yourself, um, you know, as you teach and stuff. So just get over that and just pretend like it's someone else that you're watching teach and not necessarily you. When you're out there practicing for certifications, well, make sure that you are teaching a skill and that you're not getting stuck on teaching a pattern or a course. You can definitely use patterns or games or like a trail course but if you use those, you need to be incorporating a skill and then your game or your pattern reinforces that skill and enhances it. So let's say you wanna teach a, a barrel pattern. Um, you have the three the three leaf clover barrel pattern. You're not gonna focus on that pattern. That pattern, yes, you have to explain it, but you need to pull a skill out of it. So are you teaching bending? Are you reinforcing raining? Are you reinforcing looking ahead? So you need to be focusing on a skill. So don't get hung up on that great the game or the, the pattern that you're teaching. Make sure you practice before you get to certification, focusing on teaching a skill, a writing skill. And then um, I'm also gonna be doing some certification day tips later on of when you're actually in certification. And you can definitely apply some of those tips before you go to certification and practice incorporating those in those 20 minute mock lessons if you do those all right so here's some tips before um, you go to certification on getting you ready for the riding and this is the regular riding test this is not the accommodation one so practice doing the warm-up and riding the pattern so when you go to certification you're going to be assigned a horse and then you are going to go out and you warm the horse up usually as a group, you know, three or four riders or however many they need in the group depending on what horses they're sharing. And then you exit the arena and then you go in and you ride the pattern one at a time. So practice that sequence, practice warming the horse up. What do you need to do in order to get them prepared for the pattern that you're going to ride? And then actually practice riding the registered level pattern so that you are familiar with it And that's one less thing you don't need to stress about. Um, You're already familiar with it. And if you blank out um, and you're one of those people that kind of gets you the test anxiety or the pattern amnesia, as we jokingly call it, you can have someone call the pattern. But even if you go in thinking, oh, well, I'm still gonna have someone call the pattern for me, you still need to be familiar with the pattern and have practiced it. Because going in blind and not practicing it is just gonna set you up for confusion Confusion trying to interpret what you hear and apply it out in the arena if you don't even know what it looks like So make sure you practice it before times uh, before the surf. Ride in groups. So get used to riding in the arena with people because you need to be familiar with common arena etiquette Because you'll most likely be warming up with several other people in the arena Go out and ride different horses Take lessons on different lesson horses. Um, If you're mentoring at a program and you're able to ride different program horses there, go out and ride your friend's horses if they're okay with that. But you are most likely going to be riding on a horse that you do not know. If you're traveling and you are uh, testing out of state, you're not gonna be able to bring your horse with you. So practice riding different horses. Um, Before you go to certification, record your ride. So record the warm up. And record you writing the pattern. Have your mentor look over it. And you need to sit down and watch and self-evaluate as well. Um, the riding portion in the time that I have been a host site representative and mentoring people through it, usually it's the riding portion that people do not pass. And um, you know, I think it's maybe a lack of awareness of where they are riding skill-wise and what they actually need to do but it's super important that you know that you are at that writing skill level in order to pass the registered level certification. And if you're a mentor, I highly, highly suggest that you check someone's writing skills before you start the 25 supervised teaching hours. That is going to help a lot of stuff go a lot more smoothly if you know that person's solid on the writing before they start investing a lot of time into teaching. Um, and you know, you're on that timeline before your IT, your instructor and in training letter runs out. So just kind of a tip for mentors on the side there. And then also before a certification, you needed to decide what seat you want to ride during the test. So do you want to ride Western? Do you want to ride English? Do you want to ride dressage? Um, and at some centers, if you say dressage, you might get put in an English saddle, depending on the equipment that they have. So you need to choose Western or like English mm-hmm. sla- slash dressage. Um so just a heads up on that and practice in the seat that you are going to be riding in so be confident with that and if you decide to ride western i would highly suggest that you ride two-handed and one-handed because sometimes if you're at a center that doesn't necessarily neck rein their horses a lot they might say hey this horse could can neck rein but it might go better two-handed and so that Um, that might help you out as well. So you should be familiar with how to ride two-handed and one-handed. And that just makes you a stronger instructor altogether. All right, if you are going through the riding um, portion of certification with an accommodation, so that means that you physically are unable to ride the test for whatever reason, you need to notify PATH and get that, uh, the accommodation letter, and you need to do that ahead of certification. So a couple months ahead of time, start communicating with PATH Timelines are in the uh, certification booklet, so defer to that, please. It might be more than two months. Um, But you will have a letter from PATH and they will give you instructions. But what that typically looks like is that instead of riding the horse, you teach and coach someone through them warming up and riding the pattern. So you would have an able-bodied rider on a horse And then you would talk them through how to warm that horse up and how to ride that horse through the pattern. So it's almost like everything you would be doing on that horse to warm it up and ride through the pattern, physically, you have to then take and turn it into words and help talk that person through and give position corrections and give them specific praise of, hey, nice job getting on the correct posting diagonal, all of that stuff. um, And practice beforehand. So practice teaching people... And talking people through the warm up and the pattern, and practice it with different people and different horses um, so that you are familiar with it. And again, record yourself. So, record yourself doing the accommodation version of that, of the riding test, and have your mentor look over it, uh, and have you look over it and evaluate yourself. And if your mentor is not familiar with the accommodation process, seek out someone who is familiar with it. Um, If you need a resource, I've seen it done um, very well, actually, um, several times, and I've seen a couple times done not so well. And I also have some other people that I can refer you to that can also give you some tips as well if you're going through the accommodation portion of the writing. All right, so we've talked about all the things that you can do before certification. Now we're gonna talk about when you are at certification. So we're gonna start with teaching first. Biggest thing is breathe and when you get all the information handed to you on your student um, don't panic breathe use critical thinking skills take your time read through each piece of that profile that you're given for your student and just keep breathing when you get your profiles and you have read through them completely don't just glance at them and start asking your host site center questions breathe read through them process them a little bit and then come up with questions Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, So don't be afraid to clarify what a spotter means on the profile, or if they have an activity written down that you don't know what it means, or a game written down that you've never played. Um, Don't be afraid to ask questions. But remember that when you are asking questions about the profiles for your your students, you're gonna get two of them, that the host site can't tell you what to teach. So you can't say, hey, I'm planning on teaching XYZ, is that a good lesson? We can't tell you that. Um, as much as I would love to tell you that as a host site rep, we can't, uh, this is your time to read the profiles, build a lesson plan off of it and go from there. Um, you can definitely, you know, ask if, if it's maybe too much or too advanced or something like that, you can maybe ask a question like that, depending on how it's phrased, and we might be able to give you feedback. But we cannot tell you if it's a good idea, if it's a good skill, anything like that. We um, that's helping a little bit too much. Um, if you're planning on using something like a prop or a game to give your uh, during your lesson, please, please, please give the host site a warning. So if you're planning on doing you know, hula hoops or something like that, give it to the host site the day before or even two days before you're gonna teach so that they have time to school their horses and um, tell the volunteers what's going on. Don't be surprised if you show up you know, t- 20 minutes before you teach and hand them some random toy that the horses have never seen, that host site representative might say, uh, no, we are not doing that because I did not have advanced time to school my horses and I want it to be safe. So make sure you give your host site heads up. Um, And as much time as possible is appreciated because the host site has a lot of moving pieces going on. Usually not just the certification, usually we still have classes going on as well at that time. Uh, When you're interacting with the host site, be kind and be patient. Um, Like I kind of already mentioned, we have hundreds of moving pieces going on during the time that we're hosting certification. We have all of you guys that are attending for workshop for the certification. We have the evaluators to take care of the horses, the students, the volunteers, um, a new schedule that we have to make sure everyone's showing up on time for. That is out of the ordinary. So there's a lot of moving pieces and the host site wants to take care of candidates and we wanna set you guys up for success, but we can only do so much. So make sure you're being kind and you're being patient and remember that there is usually not just one or two of you. There could be 10, 12, 15, depending on if it's a one or two day testing scenario for the teaching. Uh, So just be nice to your host site, it's hard. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff going on. all right, and, and also you are, you are important, like I mentioned, but remember that you're not the only important person. There are other candidates that we need to, to uh, look out for. So once you get your profiles, decide what skill you're gonna teach based off the information that you're given, and then also have a backup plan. So sometimes what we read on paper, uh, we get this image in our head of what we think the students are going to look like, And it looks completely different once we see them out in the arena. Maybe they're like way more advanced than what we thought or maybe they're a lot further behind what we thought once we actually see them. So I'd highly recommend that you have a plan A and a plan B. Okay, here's my plan A. This is what I'm gonna teach. And then if my rider is more advanced than what I think, here's how I'm gonna adjust it. Or maybe I teach a different skill. Or if my riders are further behind than what I thought they were, all right, here's how I'm gonna adjust that skill down. Or maybe here's an alternate lower level skill that I can teach. So plan ahead so that if you walk out in the arena and the riders are different than what you thought, skill-wise, it's not just a deer in the headlights and you freeze up, have a plan. Um, And then, and that's okay. So if you go in thinking that you're gonna teach direct raining. But your students are, you know, a lot more advanced, and you know that you need to change the skill. And just direct training at the walk isn't advanced enough. And maybe you need to do direct training at the walk and the trot. When you do your self evaluation and the recap at the end, you can put in there. I, you know, I originally went in with this plan of teaching this skill, but I noticed that these riders demonstrated blah 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 blah. Explain what you saw, and so I decided to adjust and teach this skill instead. And that right there is actually extremely impressive at the registered level, showing that you're assessing in the moment and that you were thinking about all those other factors and made adjustments in the moment. Um, so that's okay. So have have backup plans just in case something happens and have a progression plan. So if your riders blow through that first activity that you have for you know direct raining or walk track transitions or whatever you're gonna do, have a second progression activity plan just in case they do really well. Um, already have that in the back of your mind so you're not just scrambling, trying to fill time. The uh, another tip for the day of the certification is that you need to check your students' helmets, check the equipment on the horse, try to get a rough stirrup length set, talk with your volunteers, do all of that before your 20 minutes starts. So you will probably have, you know, 10, 15 minutes in between the the person before you testing and your lesson. Use that time to talk to the volunteers, check your tech, check the the equipment, go introduce yourselves to your riders, get that done. And then when your time starts, you can look over at the evaluators and say, I have checked my um, equipment, I've done a girth check, I have set my stirrups, I have greeted my students and I have checked their helmets. Um, And now I'm going to begin my mounting process. So don't do all of that stuff, the checking the tack and all of that during your time, because you're going to eat up five minutes, 10, 15 minutes of your 20 minute time. If you wait and you procrastinate, Um, as long as you verbalize to the evaluators that you did all of those things that makes the evaluators aware that you did all of it. You don't have to physically showing it um so that is a huge thing that i see people eating up a ton of time on is they wait for all of that um all right so little soap box here just a warning when you check your girths of the horses please be gentle don't walk up and just yank the girth on the side and pull the horse around if you walked up and yanked on my belt i would probably punch you um Just kidding. Like, I wouldn't be that mean. But, you know, if we walk up and we just yank on the girth to see if it is snug or not, that horse is not going to appreciate that. So walk up, gently slip your fingers in along the breastbone there of the horse, and just see if if it's snug or not. And if it's snug, don't tighten it. A girth check does not equal girth tightening. If a girth is good, leave it. And I would highly recommend that when you go to check and adjust tack, if there's a horse leader standing there, which there usually is, give the horse leader a heads up. Don't sneak up behind him and start checking stuff because if you walk up and you do that on a girthy horse, they're going to reach and possibly bite your horse handler. And that's not a really good way to start off with a volunteer that you don't know. So walk up, say, hey, I'm going to do my my tack check now. And the girth check, um, just a heads up. It's a courtesy to the horse leader for you. Uh, And please, please, please be gentle and don't just walk up on on the elastics, especially on the English girth and just yank on it or on a Western girth. Don't put all your force into it. Be gentle on the horse, please. Uh, When you are mounting your riders, mount them safely, but make sure that you're efficient and you're doing it quickly. You have 20 minutes to get two students on, teach them, do a wrap up and dismount. That time goes by fast. So make sure that you are efficient in your mounting. Um, and then the mounting you do want to teach is a skill. So, you know, where do your hands go? Where do your legs go? Watching the seat. You know, why do we hold our reins? Or you can even be asking that question of your students. Um, you know, why do we hold on to our reins? If your your student is has been riding for a long time, you know, instead of teaching that skill to them, see if you can draw out that information and ask the right questions of them. That's also another way to teach that skill. Um, When you're mounting your riders, uh, you, if you feel comfortable and if you've maybe built a relationship with another candidate, you can use another candidate to do um, the tack check and a stirrup adjustment after that first rider is mounted or even the second one. But if you choose to do that, remember that you still need to verbalize and kind of do that verbal volley of, okay, my rider's mounted, so um, can you please go in the arena and check the girth and please check the stirrup length. I would like the bottom of the stirrup iron at the student's ankle or whatever you want to say. Just do that verbal volley and the verbal handoff to whoever's helping you. So that, again, the evaluators know that you're aware of that component, but you're just having someone assist you. Um, we can't read your mind when you're out there during certification. And then also if you have someone help you, you are still ultimately responsible for the tack check and the stirrup length and all of that. Just because someone does it for you, don't assume that they did it right. Hopefully they did because that's gonna save you time, but you still need to go back and double check stuff and make sure it's okay. It is your responsibility as the instructor to have final say and final responsibility on any tack checks or stirrup checks or anything along those lines. So it can be a great time saver to to use another candidate but you need to still go back and just quickly check and make sure everything's okay. Uh, when you do t- tap checks or adjust equipment, you know, say a stirrup's too long or too short, um, use that time as a way to dialogue with your writers. So maybe explain the pattern or explain the skill that's going on or ask them questions about what they know. Um, you know, do a little recap or something. So don't just have that time where you, you're adjusting stuff. Be silent. Make use of that time because again, you are limited on time. You have 20 minutes. So you have to use every minute to uh, make it all fit in there. Try to limit the time that you have your back to the evaluators. Um, And that is because you want to project your voice towards the evaluators as much as possible. So uh, this is something that you can practice at home when you're practicing for certification. Set up chairs in a a corner of the arena or something where the evaluators would be sitting and practice teaching towards those imaginary evaluators. So set yourself up so that um, your voice is projecting towards them so that they can hear. And anytime You have to bring your riders in and have a little discussion where you might quiet your voice. So you're not yelling at them Practice stopping the horses in front of the evaluators so that you can project your voice towards them And we always joked with my mentees that um, if you ever need to stop your riders and talk to them Point the horse butts towards the evaluators so butts to their faces Um, and it was a funny thing that made it stick but If you see an evaluator get up and move during certification, that is probably because they can't hear you. And that is not necessarily an automatically bad thing, but if they can't hear you, they can't evaluate you on your teaching. So it's super important that that the evaluators can hear you. So practice projecting your voice in the correct direction. And practice good voice projection. So projecting from down low and talking with maybe a little bit deeper voice than what you're used to. Don't get in that head nasally voice because that doesn't project as well. And again, if you've yourself before you go in, you're going to be able to hear how you project and how you sound. Because how we sound to ourselves and how we sound to other people is different. Uh, already mentioned this, but one more time, I'm gonna hit on it. If you have to talk with a rider kind of more privately, you know, maybe we're working through a behavioral thing, or maybe we have to show something hands-on with them, um, try to do that by an evaluator so that they can hear you again when your tone gets, or your volume gets quieter. Or if you are further away, and you need to talk to that rider, you can say, hey, I'm gonna talk a little bit louder than normal, but I gotta make sure those ladies over there hear me. So you can kind of joke about it with your students to have like, I'm sorry I have to talk louder, but there's a reason. And you know they laugh at that and they think it's funny too. So that's totally okay. Uh, remember that when you're testing out for certification, you need to teach the class as a group. You have two riders and you need to teach them as a group. Don't ping pong back and forth and teach individual lessons. Of course you can give feedback to one student, not the other, but don't just you know give directions to rider A, and then give the same thing to Rider B. Um, And and something that you can practice at home before you go to certification is using phrases like, okay, riders, okay, students, everyone is going to, or students, we are going to, and that helps you kind of address more of it globally instead of saying, um, you know, Maddie, you are going to, because then you're singling out that rider and you're teaching more of that individual lesson. Um, Or if you want to use names, which is great, Make sure you use both of them. So Ben and Maddie, we are going to um, do this or both of you will. So try to lead off your phrasing with more group um, wording and that's going to help you not fall into that trap of, of teaching at one person. Uh, and usually if you do start teaching to one person, usually it's that the lead writer. So make sure... That you're incorporating both students into your lesson. So when you're coming up with your lesson plan, um, feel free to be creative because everyone has kind of their own unique skills and their own unique way that they teach. And you know, some instructors are super creative. I love watching certification lessons because there's some really cool stuff that I see, and um, it's it's refreshing to see and it gives me some new ideas. Uh, I'm not the most like creative person, so it's fun to watch people, but. A couple tips on that if you do get creative. One, make sure you show props uh, to the host site and get approval for that. Two, don't have your game be so overly complicated and creative that it distracts from the skill that you're teaching. And don't have it so complex that you spend half of your lesson time explaining how to do the game. So make sure, you, you can definitely be creative and you can have a fun pattern, but you have 20 minutes. So be careful on how complex it is and how much time it's gonna take to set up, tear down, explain the pattern, all of that. Um, So just a heads up on it. Be creative, but don't go overboard. Uh, When you're in your lesson, you need to manage the volunteers. Um, Give them directions and give them feedback during class. A lot of times, these are volunteers that work with the riders or they they come out and they volunteer on that day and they know the drill. They know this is how we mount. This is the warm up. This is what we do. This is how I coach my rider. This is what they need for raining. This is what they need assistance-wise for woes. But when we go into certification, and I've done this with the volunteers that are out there, we have a debriefing in the morning of like, hey, you guys cannot automatically step in and do your jobs right away. You need to wait for instruction from the the candidate the guest instructor that day and they are going to tell you if you need to do hand over hand reining or if you need to do a thigh hold or a heel hold Um, so a lot of times those volunteers have been prepped beforehand to not step in as much as they usually do Uh, They're not going to fix a twisted stirrup if they catch it because, again, that's you as the instructor needing to catch that and tell a volunteer to fix it for you. So just a heads up, you need to manage and give feedback to your volunteers uh, because they're not going to automatically do it for you like they might do at home. Um, When it comes to the end of your lesson, you will go back in a quiet place and you are going to do a self-evaluation and then you are going to hand that in to the evaluators. So when you're doing your self evaluation at the end, this is a time where you can really put in a couple things like if you know you missed something, that was a big glaring thing, you can put in there, you know what, I completely missed doing another tap check or I completely missed doing this and I should have done this. It's okay, we know you're nervous, Um, we know these are new horses, new students, everything like that. So your self evaluation can you know, kind of be that fulcrum point of were you aware of this stuff and the mistakes that you made, or were you completely naive of it and you didn't even know that there were these glaring, you know, potential safety things going on. So in your evaluation, be honest and um, give positives. What went well? What would you do again next time? What would you do to progress your student? But also, um, you know, ask those hard questions. What could I have done better? What are some tactics that maybe didn't work? Did I miss a safety thing? Could I have done them out a different way? Or could I have explained the skill a different way? So be honest. Um, If you go in and write a lesson, you a self-review of, oh no, everyone have fun and I think it was great and I would totally do that again, that is not a really strong self-evaluation. But on the flip side, as you're writing your self-evaluation, please don't write an essay. (laughs) Um, We've gotten a couple of them back where it's been uh, eight eight pages handwritten and I appreciate you know all the thoroughness that went into that and and being a good evaluation of yourself but that's almost too much you know usually there's 10 12 candidates that the evaluators are reviewing they can't they don't have time to read through your essay so really hit it strong you know bullet point it if you need to but usually one page handwritten um, is a pretty good self-evaluation depending on how big you write of course um, when you're out there in the lesson, make sure you teach to what you see. Don't let your brain fall apart or lose your train of thought. If, um, if the paper that you got, the profiles of your students don't necessarily match up, don't let that throw you off. Just take a breath, roll with it, and teach to what you see in the moment. Teach to the horses, the volunteers, the weather that day. Um, be flexible. Be flexible. And remember that stuff might change. You know, maybe a rider got sick and didn't show up and we had to put in an alternate rider for you. So that happens. Um, As a host site, I dreaded going up to people and telling them, hey, this volunteer changed or we had to swap horses or we had to swap students because of whatever circumstances happened. We did not do that on purpose. Um, and I know that you're not at home. You're not with your your teams that you usually do. And I know those things can kind of be a little nerve rattle or, uh, you know, rattle you a little bit. So we don't do that on purpose. Um, but if that happens, just roll with it. Take a breath, critical thinking skills, and just keep going with it. Um, don't let that freeze you up and lock you up. Just teach to what you see out there. I, and and you'll be you'll be okay. So during certification, when you're doing the riding portion, some tips about this. Uh, one, breathe. <laughs> that is the biggest thing. And if you've shown horses before, you probably have been told by trainers or whoever's watching you to keep breathing. Um, breathe. That is going to be the biggest help because you're even even if you don't feel nervous, you're probably still going to be a little tense whether or not you know it. Um, check your equipment. So you are still responsible for your equipment that is on the horse that's assigned to you. So check your girth, check your stirrup length. Are they even? Um, how's your bridle? Uh, is the bit fitting well? You know, check all of that stuff. And of course, before you make any major adjustments to a head stall or any major adjustments to a saddle or anything, um, please talk to the host site. But you are still responsible for the equipment that you're riding in. When you go out and you're assigned a horse and you are out there during warm-up time, Warm up the horse. That is enough to figure the horse out. So walk, trot, canter both ways. Sitting trot, posting trot. Um, you know, do feel the transitions. Go through all the gates both directions. But don't over warm up the horse. Just because the horse is fun to ride and walk, a trot, a canter, whatever, don't go out there and just canter the horse into the ground. I've seen this before, and as a host, I, I will be very blunt. That is very frustrating because a lot of times those are program horses that we're using and they have to go back in the class next day the next week and work again or that poor horse might have to go again um we were actually in a situation where someone warmed up the horse so hard that we had to pull it from the other rider uh, the other candidate that was going to ride it so please be aware of that horse and its well-being warm it up enough and, um, but don't over warm up that horse. Just be efficient enough. And it's, it's not impressive if you overdo it. Um, that doesn't show that you know horses. It, if anything, it's the opposite. Um, and keep in mind that probably another candidate has to ride that horse. Or if it's not a program horse, we might be borrowing that and that might be like, hey, you're a friend of mine, I know you have great horses, can we borrow it for the certification ride? So someone might be entrusting their horse to that host site to let you guys ride. So just kind of a background on that of where the horses come from and where we're thinking of as a host site. Um, when you're out in the test, remember to not override a horse. So. Like I said, a lot of times you're riding a program horse or you're riding someone's super steady Eddie lesson horse that we're borrowing. It's probably not a high caliber show show horse. So don't try to pull it together and, you know, make it frame up and, and go on heavy contact and do leg yields and all these fancy things. Just ride it at the walk track canter. Ask for a bend, a nice sitting trot, a nice even, you know, steady canter. Just have a nice relaxed ride. Um, demonstrate the components necessary, but don't go in there and try to show off. That is not the time to do it. And probably not the horse to do it on. Um, And remember your proper arena etiquette when you're warming up. So pass left and left. Um, You know, know who gets right away on a straight line and a turn. (laughs) Look out where you're going. You know, Practice all those things. So practice riding in a group beforehand because you're gonna have to ride with other people. And remember that you're most likely a little nervous or tense and you're riding differently than what you do at home. And the horse that you are on is going to feel that. So maybe cue a little bit easier to start out um, because maybe they're feeling that you're a little bit more energetic and maybe your cues are a little bit more, you know, harsh than they usually are. So breathe and cue the horse more relaxed because they might jump into a little bit faster than normal because they feel that the energy is a little bit more higher than it is, usually and then also on the opposite side if you have a horse that is not going give it the benefit of the doubt that it's a program horse and these guys are caretakers so they might feel hey my rider on me is nervous maybe they're a little off balance and you know what person who's riding me you maybe shouldn't be trotting or cantering so that horse if it's program horse it might be stalling out because it feels something is not right with its rider um, we've had horses do that before where they're just like, nah, we're gonna walk because this rider on me is way too nervous or they're all over the place and we're not ready to go. Um, so so be aware of that. You know, Check your position, check your body, check your energy. Breathe if the horse is going too fast or too slow. Check you first, don't blame the horse. That is another soapbox thing for me. Um, host sites do the best you can to assign you good horses. If something goes wrong, it is usually not the horse. It is usually operator error, the human. So check you first before you blame the horse. If you hit a wall, um, go seek out the host site and ask questions and try to problem solve instead of just getting upset and frustrated and um, you know getting amped up and then it just escalates between you and the horse. So go seek help if you need it, but don't blame the horse. All right, during certification ride, um, if you are doing the accommodation, breathe. Again, breathe. When you're teaching, breathe. When you're riding, breathe. If you're doing the teaching someone to ride the pattern, breathe. Um, breathing is a huge thing. Make sure that if you're doing the accommodation so you are talking an able-bodied rider through that warm-up and through the pattern, that you use your instructor voice and you have a good arena presence so you're out there and you're instructing. Don't just kind of, you know, have hands in your pocket and, oh, well, go ask for a trot and, you know, don't act like you're talking to a friend, go out there and be a professional if you have the accommodation. Be an instructor, um, you know, make a good show of it as well. Arena presence really helps. Sometimes as you're talking the rider through the warm-up and the pattern, it, it sometimes helps to think or like talk as if you were out on that horse warming it up or riding it through the pattern. Um, Sometimes that helps you hit more of those important little fine points that might be in your head that you might be thinking about but the evaluators may not know are going on inside your head. You have to get all those thoughts and verbalize them out and all those things that you're seeing so that the evaluators know that you're aware of that. Um, We can't read your mind. So make sure you're hitting those important points, and you know, giving positive praise. If someone's doing something really well, like you know, they pick, they had an excellent trot to canter transition, or a, a very clean posting trot, and a correct posting diagonal. You don't have to correct anything. Praise them on it. Give them a specific positive praise so that uh, the evaluators know that you are aware of the good stuff that's going on, and that you're not fixing it for a reason. Um. When you're out there doing the accommodation, still use good teaching techniques. So clear explanations, what, how, why's, give the rider time to process. Just because they're an able-bodied rider doesn't mean that they can, you know, process things necessarily more quickly than a lot of our students. We still need processing time and being able to figure out where to turn and where to go. Uh, so still employ all those teaching techniques you'd use with your student with that able-bodied rider you might be teaching. Um, and then kind of last tip, that is an overall tip. Um, please understand that this tip is meaning well. It might come off a little harsh, but this is just because I, um, I've i seen this too many times to not kind of address this uh, as a mentor and also as a host site representative before. Um, but if you're a mentor or if you're someone going through the process, don't send your person in Or don't go in yourself thinking, oh, well, I have a free pass on the teaching or I have a free pass on the writing um, because I can send in a video, no big deal. If you have that mindset of, eh, it doesn't matter, you know, it's okay, I know I can pass teaching, but I'm not, you know, not so sure about writing or I know I can pass writing, but eh, not so sure about teaching, but it's okay, I have a video. If you have that mindset, don't certify at this time. Give yourself more time to prepare and go in. Go in and teach and ride as if there was absolutely no video option. That is how you need to be certifying. It is awesome that PATH offers um, that, that option to video um, a, a ride or a teaching if you did not um, pass that portion, but that shouldn't be your default mindset going into certification. Mm-hmm. And if you know that you're probably not going to pass the teaching, take longer to prepare, and then once you know that you can pass teaching and writing, go test. Same thing applies to writing. If you know that you're not ready for the writing, take longer to prepare, and then go certify. Um, You know, ask for an extension if you need to, or work out that timing. Again, as mentors, that should also be our responsibility to make sure that that person has the writing skills before we start supervised teaching hours or before they do that instructor and training letter. So make sure that timeline is worked out so that person doesn't feel like they have to go certify by this certain time if they're not ready. Um, And you kind of on on the the host site side of it, why I'm so adamant about this mindset of not going in and having this, oh, well, I've got the video as a default pass um, and I can go do it at home is that Whatever portion you go in thinking that, oh, I'm not ready for, but it's okay if I don't meet criteria in that area, those are our students, those are our horses, those are our volunteers as a host site. We are entrusting you with those living, breathing creatures. Those students are important to us. Our horses are important to us. Our volunteers are important to us. It is hard to let go of the reins. um, I guess pun intended and not intended. It's hard to let go of those reins and give you guys, you know, um, responsibility of all those moving pieces. If you go in saying, eh, well, I'm probably not going to pass the ride, but that's okay. I can do it at home." We are giving you one of our program horses to ride, or we are trusting you with a. relationship that we have where we're borrowing someone's horse to give to you to ride if you're gonna go in and you're not prepared to sit the canter correctly and have a smooth canter or sit the trot smoothly and you're banging all over that horse's back and you're jerking all over their mouth because you don't have independent seat and independent hands yeah you can walk away from that ride and go home and retest um, and do the video we have to deal with aftermath of that so you need to come in prepared to ride a horse and everyone makes mistakes i'm not saying that you need to be a perfect rider but if you know that you're not ready to do the sitting trot or you know that you balance on those reins and that's a default or you know that you slam and you have a bouncy canter work on that before you come in because you we are entrusting you with those horses same thing goes with teaching if you know you can pass the riding but um you maybe you you're not feeling confident in your teaching we're trusting you with our students so you you know, they're coming out and a lot of times they're usually paying still for a lesson from a couple of you guys. Um, So you need to know what you're doing. Give them a quality lesson. Make them wish that you were teaching instead of us as regular instructors. You know, it's the best thing when a student walks out of the certification uh, lesson and says, oh my gosh, can they come back again? Are they coming back? Because that right there says that you probably did a really good job instructing. If you don't think you're gonna pass, and and you think that video is your saving grace, I would challenge you to kind of rethink if you're ready to go for certification at this time. Take a little more time to prepare. And going in and being nervous and like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready, and just knowing, oh no, I I can't ride at this level, or whatever, those are two different things. You're gonna have nerves, you're probably gonna have a little bit of self-doubt, but if you go in planning to submit a video, check mindset, check motivation. Same thing mentors. If you're sending someone in and, oh, well, eh, you have the video, it's okay. Is that person really ready to go out and test? Um, so that was kind of my last tip overall. Uh, anyone joining in live view, do you guys have um, any tips or that you would like to share that you've seen, or do you guys have any questions? I'm going to read through comments really quick because I can't, multitask um so i'm gonna read a couple things so carolyn says uh thanks for the video could you possibly do a video on the path advanced certification and the process sure yeah i can do that um i'd love to do that it's been uh, seven, six, seven years but yes i can definitely go through the advanced certification process with you guys um and what's really cool is once you go through the advanced certification process um the mentor the mentees i work with now i almost gear them towards like halfway advanced level versus registered level because it over prepares you for registered certification and you go in more confident but yeah carolyn definitely i can um maybe next month that could be something that i do for the live instructor chat and um i can maybe even get some feedback from other advanced instructors as well Uh, can we access this later to review and if so where Uh, yes jody you can Access this video later. So, what I usually do after this is I will close out the video, but it will be available um, on my timeline. So, the Hoof Falls and Footfalls Facebook page timeline. But also, um, I have my website, hooffallsandfootfalls.com all spelled out, no ampersand, so it's all spelled out. Um, and there is actually a tab on there that says li- um, instructor chat replays or instructor chat archives, one of the two. I just redid my website, so I'm, I apologize for not having the wording. But look for the archives there and I actually um, have all of the months listed for all the instructor chats. And it will either be the direct link to the Facebook page or if the streaming and everything and the, the audio syncs up, I actually put it on my YouTube channel as well. So yes, you can access it later. Share it with other people who are going through certification. Share it with other mentors you know. Um, you know, reach out to me if you have any questions about the certification process. I I am here to help you guys with that. Um, I know it can be a uh, a lot of information and a lot of you know new things going on, especially if you're not at a center that hosts workshops and certifications a lot. Sometimes um, you know you kind of go into it blind even as a mentor because maybe you haven't tested in a few years yourself or haven't sent a candidate to test. So the reason why I'm so comfortable and familiar with all of this is because the center I worked for, uh, for nine years, we hosted registered instructor workshops and certs uh, twice a year. So I've seen hundreds of people go through this process and I've hosted them and you know had to do all those pairings and have heard questions and heard concerns and uh, seen wonderful tests and seen some not so great teaching and writing. Um, But if I weren't at a center that had hosted a bunch of workshops and certifications, I would definitely not be as as comfortable or or as familiar as I am with it. So, um, you know, we're here to help you. So reach out if you guys have questions. Um, If you guys have any tips or tips that you want to share with people, you can share as well because, you know, I don't know everything. Um, So share any tips you might have. If you want If you have a question about a specific thing during the certification or like preparation shoot me a message shoot me an email and i'd be happy to answer and i'll pop my email here um, in the link and i will also give you guys a direct link to my archive page for the instructor chat so you guys can access it later and if you guys can do a like and a share of this video i would truly appreciate that just because that helps with the facebook algorithms and all that good stuff um, so if you guys could take a second to do that, that'd be much, much appreciated. And if you're watching on a live stream, if you could just drop a comment of like, you know, you're attending or who you are or whatever, that also helps, um, make sure that the hoof falls and fall stuff gets shared and, and shows up on other people's pages. Um, that's just how Facebook works. So I hope you guys have a wonderful evening or day or whenever you guys are watching it. Thank you guys for tuning in. And I really hope this was helpful. And if you're going for certification, good luck and remember to breathe. Hello everyone and welcome to the February, it's already February, (laughs) thought it was January, the February Live Instructor Chat. And today we are going to be talking about the Registered Level Therapeutic Writing Instructor Certification through PATH International. Um, And while we're waiting for a couple people to jump on here uh, for the live chat, we are, I, I do want to clarify that um, the process that I'm talking about right now is the current registered instructor certification process. So the new process uh, that is the, um, the CTRI that's going to be piloting and rolling out in the middle of this year, um, what I'm sharing with you right now will most like well, will may or may not apply. So I do want to clarify that I'm talking about the current process for the the PATH International Registered Therapeutic Riding Instructor Certification. Um, Right now there's just not enough information out um, and the process has not been fully piloted or implemented for the new CTRI thing to give you guys tips about that. So we're going to focus on the current process for those of you that are going through certification um, that way. And that is the way that I've been familiar with for the past uh, 10 years now. Uh, So I'm going to be passing on that information. And even if you go to another certification like a CHA certification, um, a lot of these tips also apply. They're just kind of tips that will help you prepare for an instructor certification. Um, so if you are joining in live or even watching on a replay, if you can share where you're from and if you are tuning in because you are going through the process of becoming a therapeutic guiding instructor through PATH or you're interested in going through the process or you're a mentor um, and you are you have a mentee that's gonna go through the process, I would love to hear uh, who you are and um, who's listening. So, And then the last thing that I do wanna clarify um, before we kind of get rolling here, is that I am doing this on my own time. Um, I'm representing myself as Sabre and who falls and footfalls. This is in no way meaning to represent PATH or the main office at all. This is just me sharing information um, you know, as a mentor and someone who's gone through certification and someone who's been a host site rep. So um, this is in no way endorsed by or paid by PATH or anything like that. This is just me sharing information with you guys. So just clarify that. Um, so, the, all the tips that I'm going to be sharing with you guys are from my experience as a candidate. So, I've gone through this process. I have a registered level and advanced level certification through Path. Um, I have been a host site representative, so that means that I have actually been the person coordinating and facilitating the um, the uh, Path workshop and certification. And then I've been a mentor, so I've helped probably close to two dozen people um, go through this process. High pass rates as well, because we've kind of figured out that, the equations and everything that works out. And then also now as faculty and evaluator, so kind of having that, um, that background as well. So all of these tips I'm gonna be sharing with you are from those four different kind of mindsets. So candidate, host site rep, as a mentor, um, and as a faculty evaluator. And then also, this information too is not just my ideas and stuff, but it's also other tips that have been passed on to me by other mentors. And also by watching hundreds of people go through the certification process at the premier credit center I work for and um, talking to them and listening to them and seeing what they did before they came and what made them successful or maybe not as successful so these are kind of tips and stuff that I've gathered from other people and other mentors and people going through the process and just kind of putting it all together so um, so Christina, welcome, thanks for joining in live. And you have two mentees going through it this year, Woohoo! Um, and Christina, are you planning on having them go through the current process or are you gonna have them wait it out for the new Catri one? If you can comment on that, I'd just be interested to know. Uh, so before we jump into the tips, I do wanna clarify that um, when I say the word candidate, that means that we are referring to the person who is going through the process. Um, and who is attending the certification. So candidate's just kind of that, that term that we use. So if you hear me use the word candidate instead of like participant or something like that, that's just um, the, the term that we usually use when we're referring to the person who's testing for certification. So before certification, There is actually a lot of stuff that you can do or as a mentor you can do for your um, mentee to help them prepare and set them up for success. So you don't have to go into this blind, there's a lot of kind of homework and um, footwork that you can do before you attend. So I would highly recommend that um, if you are not able to attend a workshop and then have a few months and then go through certification, Um, If you're not able to split that out, that you at least be extremely familiar with the process. So what does certification look like? Um, What does the candidate debriefing look like? So what do you talk about before you um, actually go into the certification? What do you get given uh, that gives you the information that tells you about your riders that you're going to be teaching? How do the horses get selected for you? Um, what, does the, what does the whole process look like? So be very familiar with that process because that's going to help make you um, feel more comfortable and not blindsided by some stuff that's going on. So uh, if you are a mentor or if you're someone going through the process and you're not sure what it looks like, ask me questions, I'd love to you know share that information. Um, or you know you can audit a workshop, audit a certification, and stay and watch the process. Watch and learn um, so that you can observe and soak in all that information before you actually go out and you're testing and you're kind of stressed, possibly, in that moment. So there's nothing wrong with taking a little extra time. And then also, as you're preparing for a certification, realize that teaching for that 20-minute certification lesson and riding a horse in that certification riding test is a little bit different than a real-life lesson. And the people that I've mentored, um, we really hit on this point that you have to kind of play the game of certification. And not saying that all of the things that you need to demonstrate in certification, you're not gonna use in everyday teaching because all of the things that they wanna see, you know, the what's, the how's, the why's, um, the arena presence, how you interact with your students, how you do volunteer management, all of that stuff that you have to show during certification is stuff that you definitely need to apply during everyday lessons. But in certification, you have 20 minutes to show the evaluators that you know what you're doing. And so there are certain pieces that you need to fit in within that 20 minutes. So, um, you need to do your, 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 Tech check in your um, your equipment check off helmet checks mount your two riders get them in do a warm-up and a recap teach the main skills show some type of progression in your student do a wrap-up or maybe a little activity dismount and then um, be done and that doesn't sound like you know a ton of stuff but when you have two students in 20 minutes that time goes by really fast so yes there is a, a little factor of playing this certification game and putting everything in a certain order Um, and making sure you fit in all that criteria you you need to show um, to, to really do well at certification. So I would encourage you to gear the last few lessons that you teach before certification towards certification so teach those 20 minute lessons Um, you know really go through and and check off okay am i hitting this 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 am i hitting all the all the instructor criteria that they need to see and path has a rubric in the registered level instructor certification book uh, that you can look at that says you know what meets criteria what does not meet what exceeds so read through that become familiar with it and especially if you're someone who's mentoring someone you need to be familiar with that that information so, a few helpful tips for people to do before you go into certification, and we're gonna be talking about teaching first, and then we'll talk about preparing for riding, and then preparing for writing if you're doing the accommodation, and we'll talk about that in a second. So before you go into certification, um, thinking about teaching, make sure that you practice teaching in that 20 minute time frame, because if you're used to teaching a 30 minute lesson or 45 or 60 minute lesson, um, and you know, with five or six riders, that is going to look a lot different than 20-minute lesson to two students. So make sure that you get in, you know, one or two lessons that are looking like your certification format. So 20-minute lesson from start to finish, showing mount your lesson and your dismount. Um, and if you can do it with just two students instead of you know four or five or six, that is very helpful. So as best as you can, and I know we're all at busy facilities usually, and we've got limited students, limited horses, limited volunteers, limited time, um, but do the best you can to simulate that 20 minute certification lesson because that is gonna make you feel a whole lot better on your home turf before you go to a new arena with new horses and new volunteers and new students. So try to do that at home. The next tip before you go to certification is to write up lesson plans for common skills that you think that you might be teaching. So walk halt transitions, walk trot transitions, uh, reining, direct reining or neck reining, um, two point, bending, sitting trot, identifying posting diagonals. So those are all kind of common go-to things that you might teach depending on the students that you get assigned. So it's not gonna kill you to write those lesson plans ahead of time and practice the wording and practice your delivery and getting comfortable with those common skills so that you can pull from those uh, when when the certification time comes and you see your two profiles for the students that you get and you can say, okay, well, hmm, I think Walk Trot Transitions is gonna fit well, and now here we go, I've already practiced that, I'm comfortable with it, I've got the lesson plan written, you adjust a few things to adapt to those students that you have, and then you're good to go. Don't go into it blind and not even practicing skills. Um, So, write up lesson plans for your common skills that you might be teaching. Biggest tip, probably beforehand. And then again, practice teaching those skills. Get the wording down, get the delivery down, um, make it clear, concise, and making sure that you're hitting that what's, how's, and why's of that skill that you are teaching. Do some mock teaching scenarios off of two student profile uh, papers. So you don't even have to go out and teach that lesson, but if a mentor or maybe a fellow colleague or friend can write up two profiles of student A and student B and give you a diagnosis and an age and maybe some things that you see and what the student has done before, um, take those profiles and then write a lesson plan off of it and then sit down and talk about it with your mentor and discuss, okay, was that a good skill to assign? Did you have appropriate skill progression? Was it enough of a challenge? Um, How would you have handled something if the students were maybe more advanced than you thought or less advanced than you thought? So do some dry runs of reading profiles and building a lesson plan off of not being able to see that student first. That is super helpful as well, because when people walk in and they see those two profiles in front of them and they've never done that before, that can be a little intimidating. So practice that beforehand. Um, make sure that you, or not make sure, but uh, a really good tip too is to record your teaching. So record your teaching, and um, either hold on just a minute. Sorry. No. Nope. No, not right now. Go eat an apple. I'll get it for you when I'm done. Okay. Sorry about that. I said I want an avocado. <laughs> okay. Um. So, record record your teaching and watch it. So, record your teaching and sit down and watch it with your mentor. Or maybe if you don't have access to your mentor at that time, sit down and record your teaching and do an evaluation on yourself. Have a peer uh, do an evaluation on you. Watching yourself teach is a huge benefit before you go through certification, and it's going to be weird. It's gonna look, it's gonna feel awkward watching yourself, um, you know, as you teach and stuff. So just get over that and just pretend like it's someone else that you're watching teach and not necessarily you. When you're out there practicing for certifications, well, make sure that you are teaching a skill and that you're not getting stuck on teaching a pattern or a course. You can definitely use patterns or games or like a trail course. But if you use those, you need to be incorporating a skill and then your game or your pattern reinforces that skill and enhances it. So let's say you wanna teach a, a barrel pattern. Um, you have the three the three leaf clover barrel pattern. You're not gonna focus on that pattern. That pattern, yes, you have to explain it, but you need to pull a skill out of it. So are you teaching bending? Are you reinforcing raining? Are you reinforcing looking ahead? So you need to be focusing on a skill so don't get hung up on that great the game or the the pattern that you're teaching make sure you practice before you get to certification focusing on teaching a skill a writing skill and then um, i'm also going to be doing some certification day tips later on of when you're actually in certification and you can definitely apply some of those tips before you go to certification and practice incorporating those in those 20 minute mock lessons if you do those all right so here's some tips before um, you go to certification on getting you ready for the riding and this is the regular riding test this is not the accommodation one so practice doing the warm-up and riding the pattern so when you go to certification you're going to be assigned a horse and then you are going to go out and you warm the horse up usually as a group you know three or four riders or however many they need in the group depending on what horses they're sharing and then you exit the arena and then you go in and you ride the pattern one at a time so practice that sequence practice warming the horse up what do you need to do in order to get them prepared for the pattern that you're going to ride and then actually practice riding the registered level pattern so that you are familiar with it And that's one less thing you don't need to stress about. Um, You're already familiar with it. And if you blank out um, and you're one of those people that kind of gets you the test anxiety or the pattern amnesia, as we jokingly call it, you can have someone call the pattern, but even if you go in thinking, oh, well, I'm still gonna have someone call the pattern for me, you still need to be familiar with the pattern and have practiced it. Because going in blind and not practicing it is just gonna set you up for confusion Confusion trying to interpret what you hear and apply it out in the arena if you don't even know what it looks like So make sure you practice it before times uh, before the cert ride in groups so get used to riding in the arena with people because you need to be familiar with common arena etiquette Because you'll most likely be warming up with several other people in the arena go out and ride different horses Take lessons on different lesson horses. Um, If you're mentoring at a program and you're able to ride different program horses there, go out and ride your friend's horses if they're okay with that. But you are most likely going to be riding on a horse that you do not know. If you're traveling and you are uh, testing out of state, you're not gonna be able to bring your horse with you. So practice riding different horses. Um, Before you go to certification, record your ride. So record the warm up. And record you writing the pattern. Have your mentor look over it. And you need to sit down and watch and self-evaluate as well. Um, the riding portion in the time that I have been a host site representative and mentoring people through it, usually it's the riding portion that people do not pass. And um, you know, I think it's maybe a lack of awareness of where they are riding skill-wise and what they actually need to do but it's super important that you know that you are at that writing skill level in order to pass the registered level certification. And if you're a mentor, I highly, highly suggest that you check someone's writing skills before you start the 25 supervised teaching hours. That is going to help a lot of stuff go a lot more smoothly if you know that person's solid on the writing before they start investing a lot of time into teaching. Um, and you know, you're on that timeline before your IT, your instructor and in training letter runs out. So just kind of a tip for mentors on the side there. And then also before a certification, you needed to decide what seat you want to ride during the test. So do you want to ride Western? Do you want to ride English? Do you want to ride dressage? Um, and at some centers, if you say dressage, you might get put in an English saddle, depending on the equipment that they have. So you need to choose Western or like English mm-hmm. sla- slash dressage. Um, so just a heads up on that and practice in the seat that you are going to be riding in so be confident with that and if you decide to ride western i would highly suggest that you ride two-handed and one-handed because sometimes if you're at a center that doesn't necessarily neck rein their horses a lot they might say hey this horse could can neck rein but it might go better two-handed and so that um, that might help you out as well. So you should be familiar with how to ride two-handed and one-handed. And that just makes you a stronger instructor altogether. All right, if you are going through the riding um, portion of certification with an accommodation, so that means that you physically are unable to ride the test for whatever reason, you need to notify PATH and get that, uh, the accommodation letter. And you need to do that ahead of certification. So a couple months ahead of time, start communicating with PATH Timelines are in the uh, certification booklet, so defer to that, please. It might be more than two months. Um, But you will have a letter from PATH and they will give you instructions. But what that typically looks like is that instead of riding the horse, you teach and coach someone through them warming up and riding the pattern. So you would have an able-bodied rider on a horse And then you would talk them through how to warm that horse up and how to ride that horse through the pattern. So it's almost like everything you would be doing on that horse to warm it up and ride through the pattern, physically, you have to then take and turn it into words and help talk that person through and give position corrections and give them specific praise of, hey, nice job getting on the correct posting diagonal, all of that stuff um, and practice beforehand. So practice teaching people. And talking people through the warm-up and the pattern. And practice it with different people and different horses um, so that you are familiar with it. And again, record yourself. So record yourself doing the accommodation version of that, of the riding test. And have your mentor look over it. Uh, And have you look over it and evaluate yourself. And if your mentor is not familiar with the accommodation process, seek out someone who is familiar with it. Um, If you need a resource, I've seen it done um, very well, actually, um, several times. And I've seen a couple times done not so well. And I also have some other people that I can refer you to that can also give you some tips as well if you're going through the accommodation portion of the writing. All right, so we've talked about all the things that you can do before certification. Now we're going to talk about when you are at certification. So we're gonna start with teaching first. Biggest thing is breathe. And when you get all the information handed to you on your student, um, don't panic. Breathe, use critical thinking skills, take your time, read through each piece of that profile that you're given for your student, and just keep breathing. When you get your profiles and you have read through them completely, don't just glance at them and then start asking your host site center questions. Breathe, read through them, process them a little bit, and then come up with questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, So don't be afraid to clarify what a spotter means on the profile, or if they have an activity written down that you don't know what it means, or a game written down that you've never played. Um, Don't be afraid to ask questions. But remember that when you are asking questions about the profiles for for your students, you're gonna get two of them, that the host site can't tell you what to teach. So you can't say, Hey, I'm planning on teaching X, Y, Z. Is that a good lesson? We can't tell you that. Um, as much as I would love to tell you that as a host site rep, we can't, uh, this is your time to read the profiles, build a lesson plan off of it and go from there. Um, you can definitely, you know, ask if, if it's maybe too much or too advanced or something like that, you can maybe ask a question like that, depending on how it's phrased, and we might be able to give you feedback. But we cannot tell you if it's a good idea, if it's a good skill, anything like that. We um, that's helping a little bit too much. Um, if you're planning on using something like a prop or a game to give your uh, during your lesson, please, please, please give the host site a warning. So if you're planning on doing you know, hula hoops or something like that, give it to the host site the day before or even two days before you're gonna teach so that they have time to school their horses and um, tell the volunteers what's going on. Don't be surprised if you show up you know, t- 20 minutes before you teach and hand them some random toy that the horses have never seen, that host site representative might say, uh, no, we are not doing that because I did not have advanced time to school my horses and i want it to be safe so make sure you give your host site heads up um and as much time as possible is appreciated because the host site has a lot of moving pieces going on usually not just the certification usually we still have classes going on as well at that time Uh, When you're interacting with the host site, be kind and be patient. Um, Like I kind of already mentioned, we have hundreds of moving pieces going on during the time that we're hosting certification. We have all of you guys that are attending for workshop for the certification, we have the evaluators to take care of the horses, the students, the volunteers, um, a new schedule that we have to make sure everyone's showing up on time for that is out of the ordinary. So there's a lot of moving pieces and the host site wants to take care of candidates and we wanna set you guys up for success, but we can only do so much. So make sure you're being kind and you're being patient and remember that there is usually not just one or two of you. There could be 10, 12, 15, depending on if it's a one or two day testing scenario for the teaching. Uh, So just be nice to your host site, it's hard. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, All right. And, and also you are, you are important, like I mentioned, but remember that you're not the only important person. There are other candidates that we need to, to, uh, look out for. So once you get your profiles, decide what skill you're going to teach based off the information that you're given, and then also have a backup plan. So sometimes what we read on paper, uh, we get this image in our head of what we think the students are going to look like. And it looks completely different once we see them out in the arena. Maybe they're like way more advanced than what we thought or maybe they're a lot further behind what we thought once we actually see them. So I'd highly recommend that you have a plan A and a plan B. Okay, here's my plan A. This is what I'm gonna teach. And then if my rider is more advanced than what I think, here's how I'm gonna adjust it. Or maybe I teach a different skill. Or if my riders are further behind than what I thought they were, all right, here's how I'm gonna adjust that skill down. Or maybe here's an alternate lower level skill that I can teach. So plan ahead so that if you walk out in the arena and the riders are different than what you thought, skill-wise, it's not just a deer in the headlights and you freeze up. Have a plan. Um, and then, and that's okay. So if you go in thinking that you're gonna teach direct reining, but your students are, you know, a lot more advanced, and you know that you need to change the skill. And just direct training at the walk isn't advanced enough, and maybe you need to do direct training at the walk and the trot. When you do your self evaluation and the recap at the end, you can put in there, I, you know, I originally went in with this plan of teaching this skill, but I noticed that these riders demonstrated blah 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 blah. Explain what you saw, and so I decided to adjust and teach this skill instead. And that right there is actually extremely impressive at the registered level, showing that you're assessing in the moment and that you were thinking about all those other factors and made adjustments in the moment. Um, so that's okay. So have have backup plans just in case something happens and have a progression plan. So if your riders blow through that first activity that you have for you know direct raining or walk trot transitions or whatever you're gonna do, have a second Progression activity plan just in case they do really well. Um, already have that in the back of your mind so you're not just scrambling trying to fill time. The, uh, another tip for the day of the certification is that you need to check your students' helmets, check the equipment on the horse, try to get a rough stirrup length set, talk with your volunteers, do all of that before your 20 minutes starts. So you will probably have, you know, 10, 15 minutes in between the, t- the person before you testing and your lesson. Use that time to talk to the volunteers, check your tech, check the, check the equipment, go introduce yourselves to your riders, get that done. And then when your time starts, you can look over at the evaluators and say, I have checked my um, equipment, I've done a girth check, I have set my syrups, I've greeted my students and I have checked their helmets. Um, and now i'm going to begin my mounting process so don't do all of that stuff the checking the tack and all of that during your time because you're going to eat up five minutes 10 15 minutes of your 20 minute time if you wait and you procrastinate um, as long as you verbalize to the evaluators that you did all of those things that makes the evaluators aware that you did all of it you don't have to physically showing it Um, so that is a huge thing that I see people eating up a ton of time on is they wait for all of that. Um, all right. So little soap box here, just a warning. When you check your girths of the horses, please be gentle. Don't walk up and just yank the girth on the side and pull the horse around. If you walked up and yanked on my belt, I would probably punch you. Um, just kidding. Like I wouldn't be that mean, but you know, if we walk up and we just yank on the girth to see if it is snug or not, that horse is not going to appreciate that. So walk up, gently slip your fingers in along the breastbone there of the horse and just see if if it's snug or not. And if it's snug, don't tighten it. A girth check does not equal girth tightening. If a girth is good, leave it. And I would highly recommend that when you go to check and adjust tack, if there's a horse leader standing there, which there usually is, give the horse leader a heads up. Don't sneak up behind him and start checking stuff because if you walk up and you do that on a girthy horse, they're going to reach and possibly bite your horse handler. And that's not a really good way to start off with a volunteer that you don't know. So walk up, say, hey, I'm going to do my my tack check now. And the girth check, um, just a heads up. It's a courtesy to the horse leader for you. Uh, And please, please, please be gentle and don't just walk up on on the elastics, especially on the English girth and just yank on it. Or on a Western girth, don't put all your force into it. Be gentle on the horse, please. Uh, When you are mounting your riders, mount them safely, but make sure that you're efficient and you're doing it quickly. You have 20 minutes to get two students on, teach them, do a wrap up and dismount. That time goes by fast. So make sure that you are efficient in your mounting. Um, and then the mounting you do want to teach is a skill. So, you know, where do your hands go? Where do your legs go? Watching the seat. You know, why do we hold our reins? Or you can even be asking that question of your students. Um, you know, why do we hold on to our reins? If your your student is has been riding for a long time. You know, instead of teaching that skill to them, see if you can draw out that information and ask the right questions of them. That's also another way to teach that skill. Um, When you're mounting your riders, uh, you, if you feel comfortable and if you've maybe built a relationship with another candidate, you can use another candidate to do um, the tack check and a stirrup adjustment after that first rider is mounted or even the second one. But if you choose to do that, remember that you still need to verbalize and kind of do that verbal volley of, okay, my rider's mounted, so um, can you please go in the arena and check the girth and please check the stirrup length. I would like the bottom of the stirrup iron at the student's ankle or whatever you want to say. Just do that verbal volley and the verbal handoff to whoever's helping you so that, again, the evaluators know that you're aware of that component, but you're just having someone assist you. Um, we can't read your mind when you're out there during certification. And then also if you have someone help you, you are still ultimately responsible for the tack check and the stirrup length and all of that. Just because someone does it for you, don't assume that they did it right. Hopefully they did because that's gonna save you time, but you still need to go back and double check stuff and make sure it's okay. It is your responsibility as the instructor to have final say and final responsibility on any tack checks or stirrup checks or anything along those lines. So it can be a great time saver to to use another candidate but you need to still go back and just quickly check and make sure everything's okay. Uh, when you do t- tack checks or adjust equipment, you know, say a stirrup's too long or too short, um, use that time as a way to dialogue with your writers. So maybe explain the pattern or explain the skill that's going on or ask them questions about what they know. Um, you do a little recap or something. So don't just have that time where you, you're adjusting stuff. Be silent. Make use of that time because again, you are limited on time. You have 20 minutes. So you have to use every minute to uh, make it all fit in there. Try to limit the time that you have your back to the evaluators. Um, And that is because you want to project your voice towards the evaluators as much as possible. So uh, this is something that you can practice at home when you're practicing for certification. Set up chairs in a a corner of the arena or something where the evaluators would be sitting and practice teaching towards those imaginary evaluators. So set yourself up so that um, your voice is projecting towards them so that they can hear. And anytime you have to bring your riders in and have a little discussion where you might quiet your voice. So you're not yelling at them Practice stopping the horses in front of the evaluators so that you can project your voice towards them And we always joked with my mentees that um, if you ever need to stop your riders and talk to them Point the horse butts towards the evaluators so butts to their faces um, and it was a funny thing that made it stick but If you see an evaluator get up and move during certification, that is probably because they can't hear you. And that is not necessarily an automatically bad thing, but if they can't hear you, they can't evaluate you on your teaching. So it's super important that that the evaluators can hear you. So practice projecting your voice in the correct direction. And practice good voice projection. So projecting from down low and talking with maybe a little bit deeper voice than what you're used to. Don't get in that head nasally voice because that doesn't project as well. And again, if you've record yourself before you go in, you're going to be able to hear how you project and how you sound. Because how we sound to ourselves and how we sound to other people is different. Uh, I already mentioned this, but one more time, I'm going to hit on it. If you have to talk with a writer kind of more privately, you know, maybe we're working through a behavioral thing, or maybe we have to show something hands on with them, um, try to do that by an evaluator so that they can hear you again when your tone gets or your volume gets quieter. Or if you are further away and you need to talk to that writer, you can say, Hey, I'm going to talk a little bit louder than normal, but I got to make sure those ladies over there hear me. So you can kind of joke about it with your students too, of like, I'm sorry I have to talk louder, but there's a reason. And you know they laugh at that and they think it's funny too. So that's totally okay. Uh, remember that when you're testing out for certification, you need to teach the class as a group. You have two riders and you need to teach them as a group. Don't ping pong back and forth and teach individual lessons. Of course you can give feedback to one student, not the other, but don't just you know give directions to ra- rider A, and then give the same thing to Rider B. Um, And and something that you can practice at home before you go to certification is using phrases like, okay, riders, okay, students, everyone is going to, or students, we are going to, and that helps you kind of address more of it globally instead of saying, um, you know, Maddie, you are going to, because then you're singling out that rider and you're teaching more of that individual lesson. Um, Or if you want to use names, which is great, Make sure you use both of them. So Ben and Maddie, we are going to um, do this or both of you will. So try to lead off your phrasing with more group um, wording and that's going to help you not fall into that trap of, of teaching at one person. Uh, and usually if you do start teaching to one person, usually it's that the lead writer. So make sure... That you're incorporating both students into your lesson. So when you're coming up with your lesson plan, um, feel free to be creative because everyone has kind of their own unique skills and their own unique way that they teach. And you know, some instructors are super creative. I love watching certification lessons because there's some really cool stuff that I see, and um, it's it's refreshing to see and it gives me some new ideas. Uh, I'm not the most like creative person, so it's fun to watch people, but. A couple tips on that if you do get creative. One, make sure you show props uh, to the host site and get approval for that. Two, don't have your game be so overly complicated and creative that it distracts from the skill that you're teaching. And don't have it so complex that you spend half of your lesson time explaining how to do the game. So make sure, you, you can definitely be creative and you can have a fun pattern, but you have 20 minutes. So be careful on how complex it is and how much time it's gonna take to set up, tear down, explain the pattern, all of that. Um, So just a heads up on it. Be creative, but don't go overboard. Uh, When you're in your lesson, you need to manage the volunteers. Um, Give them directions and give them feedback during class. A lot of times, these are volunteers that work with the riders or they they come out and they volunteer on that day and they know the drill. They know this is how we mount. This is the warm up. This is what we do. This is how I coach my rider. This is what they need for raining. This is what they need assistance-wise for woes. But when we go into certification, and I've done this with the volunteers that are out there, we have a debriefing in the morning of like, hey, you guys cannot automatically step in and do your jobs right away. You need to wait for instruction from... The, ins- the candidate, the guest instructor that day, and they are going to tell you if you need to do hand over hand reining or if you need to do a thigh hold or a heel hold. Um, so a lot of times those volunteers have been prepped beforehand to not step in as much as they usually do. Uh, They're not going to fix a twisted stirrup if they catch it because, again, that's you as the instructor needing to catch that and tell a volunteer to fix it for you. So just a heads up, you need to manage and give feedback to your volunteers uh, because they're not going to automatically do it for you like they might do at home. Um, When it comes to the end of your lesson, you will go back in a quiet place and you are going to do a self-evaluation and then you are going to hand that in to the evaluators. So when you're doing your self evaluation at the end, this is a time where you can really put in a couple things like if you know you missed something, that was a big glaring thing, you can put in there, you know what, I completely missed doing another tap check or I completely missed doing this and I should have done this. It's okay, we know you're nervous, Um, we know these are new horses, new students, everything like that, so your self evaluation can You know kind of be that fulcrum point of were you aware of this stuff and the mistakes that you made or were you completely naive of it? And you didn't even know that there were these glaring you know potential safety things going on so in your evaluation be honest and um, Give positives what went well? What would you do again next time? What would you do to progress your student? But also um, You know ask those hard questions. What could I have done better what are some tactics that maybe didn't work? Did I miss a safety thing? Could I have done a mount a different way? Or could I have explained the skill a different way? So be honest. Um, if you go in and write a lesson, you know, a self-review of, oh no, everyone have fun and I think it was great and I would totally do that again, that is not a really strong self-evaluation. But on the flip side, as you're writing your self-evaluation, please don't write an essay. <laughs> um, I, we've gotten a couple of them back where it's been uh, eight eight pages handwritten and I appreciate you know all of the thoroughness that went into that and, and being a good evaluation of yourself but that's almost too much you know usually there's 10 12 candidates that the evaluators are reviewing they can't they don't have time to read through your essay so really hit it strong you know bullet point it if you need to but usually one page handwritten um, is a pretty good self-evaluation depending on how big you write of course um, when you're out there in the lesson, make sure you teach to what you see. Don't let your brain fall apart or lose your train of thought. If, um, if the paper that you got, the profiles of your students don't necessarily match up, don't let that throw you off. Just take a breath, roll with it, and teach to what you see in the moment. Teach to the horses, the volunteers, the weather that day. Um, be flexible. Be flexible. And remember that stuff might change. You know, maybe a rider got sick and didn't show up and we had to put in an alternate rider for you. So that happens. Um, As a host site, I dreaded going up to people and telling them, hey, this volunteer changed or we had to swap horses or we had to swap students because of whatever circumstances happened. We did not do that on purpose. Um, and I know that you're not at home. You're not with your your teams that you usually do. And I know those things can kind of be a little nerve rattle or uh, you know, rattle you a little bit. So we don't do that on purpose. Um, but if that happens, just roll with it. Take a breath, critical thinking skills and just keep going with it. Um, don't let that freeze you up and lock you up. Just teach to what you see out there. Uh, and, and you'll be, you'll be okay. So during certification, when you're doing the riding portion, some tips about this, uh, one breathe. <laughs> that is the biggest thing. And if you've shown horses before, you probably have been told by trainers or whoever's watching you to keep breathing. Um, breathe. That is going to be the biggest help because you're even, even if you don't feel nervous, you're probably still going to be a little tense whether or not you know it. Um, check your equipment. So you are still responsible for your equipment that is on the horse that's assigned to you. So check your girths, check your stirrup length. Are they even? Um, how's your bridle? Uh, is the bit fitting well? You know, check all of that stuff. And of course, before you make any major adjustments to a head stall or any major adjustments to a saddle or anything, um, please talk to the host site. But you are still responsible for the equipment that you're riding in. When you go out and you're assigned a horse and you are out there during warmup time, Warm up the horse that is enough to figure the horse out. So, walk, trot, canter both ways, sitting, trot, posting, trot. Um, you know, do feel the transitions, go through all the gates both directions, but don't over warm up the horse just because the horse is fun to ride at a walk, a trot, a canter, whatever. Don't go out there and just canter the horse into the ground. I've seen this before, and as a host, I, I will be very blunt, that is very frustrating because a lot of times those are our program horses that we're using and they have to go back in the class next day the next week and work again or that poor horse might have to go again Um, we were actually in a situation where someone warmed up the horse so hard that we had to pull it from the other rider uh, the other candidate that was going to ride it so please be aware of that horse and its well-being warm it up enough and, um, but don't over warm up that horse. Just be efficient enough. And it's, it's not impressive if you overdo it. Um, that doesn't show that you know horses. It, if anything, it's the opposite. Um, and keep in mind that probably another candidate has to ride that horse. Or if it's not a program horse, we might be borrowing that and that might be like, hey, you're a friend of mine, I know you have great horses, can we borrow it for the certification ride? So someone might be entrusting their horse to that host site to let you guys ride. So just kind of a background on that of where the horses come from and where we're thinking of as a host site. Um, when you're out in the test, remember to not override a horse. So. Like I said, a lot of times you're riding a program horse or you're riding someone's super steady Eddie lesson horse that we're borrowing. It's probably not a high caliber show show horse. So don't try to pull it together and, you know, make it frame up and, and go on heavy contact and do leg yields and all these fancy things. Just ride it at the walk track canter. Ask for a bend, a nice sitting trot, a nice even, you know, steady canter. Just have a nice relaxed ride. Um, Demonstrate the components necessary, but don't go in there and try to show off. That is not the time to do it and probably not the horse to do it on. Um, And remember your proper arena etiquette when you're warming up. So pass left and left. Um, You know, know who gets right away on a straight line and a turn. (laughs) Look out where you're going. Um, You know, practice all those things. So practice riding in a group beforehand because you're going to have to ride with other people. And remember that you're most likely a little nervous or tense and you're riding differently than what you do at home and the horse that you are on is going to feel that so maybe cue a little bit easier to start out um, because maybe they're feeling that you're a little bit more energetic and maybe your cues are a little bit more you know harsh than they usually are so breathe and cue the horse more relaxed because they might jump into a little bit faster than normal because they feel that the energy is a little bit more higher than it is um, usually and then also on the opposite side, if you have a horse that is not going, give it the benefit of the doubt that it's a program horse and these guys are caretakers. So they might feel, hey, my rider on me is nervous. Maybe they're a little off balance. And you know what, person who, who's riding me? You maybe shouldn't be trotting or cantering. So that horse, if it's program horse, it might be stalling out because it feels something is not right with its rider. Um, we've had horses do that before where they're just like, nah, we're gonna walk because this rider on me is way too nervous or they're all over the place and we're not ready to go. Um, so, so be aware of that, you know, check your position, check your body, check your energy, breathe if the horse is going too fast or too slow. Check you first, don't blame the horse. That is another soapbox thing for me. Um, Hose sites do the best you can to assign you good horses. If something goes wrong, It is usually not the horse it is usually operator error the human so check you first before you blame the horse if you hit a wall um, go seek out the host site and ask questions and try to problem-solve instead of just getting upset and frustrated and um, you know getting amped up and then it just escalates between you and the horse so go seek help if you need it but don't blame the horse all right during certification ride um, if you are doing the accommodation breathe Again, breathe. When you're teaching, breathe. When you're riding, breathe. If you're doing the teaching someone to ride the pattern, breathe. Um, Breathing is a huge thing. Make sure that if you're doing the accommodation so you are talking an able-bodied rider through that warm-up and through the pattern, that you use your instructor voice and you have a good arena presence so you're out there and you're instructing. Don't just kind of, you know, have hands in your pocket and, oh, well, go ask for a trot and, you know, don't act like you're talking to a friend, go out there and be a professional if you have the accommodation. Be an instructor, um, you know, make a good show of it as well. Arena presence really helps. Sometimes as you're talking the rider through the warm-up and the pattern, it, it sometimes helps to think or like talk as if you were out on that horse warming it up or riding it through the pattern. Um, Sometimes that helps you hit more of those important little fine points that might be in your head that you might be thinking about, but the evaluators may not know are going on inside your head. You have to get all those thoughts and verbalize them out and all those things that you're seeing so that the evaluators know that you're aware of that. Um, We can't read your mind. So make sure you're hitting those important points, and you know, giving positive praise. If someone's doing something really well, like you know, they picked, they had an excellent trot canter transition, or a very clean posting trot, and a correct posting diagonal. You don't have to correct anything. Praise them on it. Give them a specific positive praise so that uh, the evaluators know that you are aware of the good stuff that's going on, and that you're not fixing it for a reason. Um. When you're out there doing the accommodation, still use good teaching techniques. So clear explanations, what, housewise, why, give the rider time to process. Just because they're an able-bodied rider doesn't mean that they can you know, process things necessarily more quickly than a lot of our students. We still need processing time and being able to figure out where to turn and where to go. Uh, so still employ all those teaching techniques you'd use with your student with that able-bodied rider you might be teaching. Um, and then kind of last tip, that is an overall tip. Um, please understand that this tip is meaning well. It might come off a little harsh, but this is just because I, um, I've seen this too many times to not kind of address this uh, as a mentor and also as a host site representative before. Um, but if you're a mentor or if you're someone going through the process, don't send your person in Or don't go in yourself thinking, oh, well, I have a free pass on the teaching or I have a free pass on the writing um, because I can send in a video, no big deal. If you have that mindset of, eh, it doesn't matter, you know, it's okay, I know I can pass teaching, but I'm not, you know, not so sure about writing or I know I can pass writing, but eh, not so sure about teaching, but it's okay, I have a video. If you have that mindset, don't certify at this time. Give yourself more time to prepare and go in. Go in and teach and ride as if there was absolutely no video option. That is how you need to be certifying. It is awesome that PATH offers um, that that option to video um, a a ride or a teaching if you did not um, pass that portion. But that shouldn't be your default mindset going into certification. And if you know that you're probably not going to pass the teaching, take longer to prepare, and then once you know that you can pass teaching and writing, go test. Same thing applies to writing. If you know that you're not ready for the writing, take longer to prepare, and then go certify. Um, You know, ask for an extension if you need to, or work out that timing. Again, as mentors, that should also be our responsibility to make sure that that person has the writing skills before we start supervised teaching hours or before they do that instructor and training ladder, So make sure that timeline is worked out so that person doesn't feel like they have to go certify by this certain time if they're not ready. Um, and you kind of on, on the, the host site side of it, why I'm so adamant about this mindset of not going in and having this, oh, well, I've got the video as a default pass um, and I can go do it at home is that whatever portion you go in thinking that oh i'm not ready for but it's okay if i don't meet criteria in that area those are our students those are our horses those are our volunteers as a host site we are entrusting you with those living breathing creatures those students are important to us our horses are important to us our volunteers are important to us it is hard to let go of the reins um i guess pun intended and not intended It's hard to let go of those reins and give you guys, you know, um, responsibility of all those moving pieces. If you go in saying, "Eh, well, I'm probably not going to pass the ride, but that's okay. I can do it at home. We are giving you one of our program horses to ride, or we are trusting you with a... A relationship that we have where we're borrowing someone's horse to give to you to ride if you're gonna go in and you're not prepared to sit the canter correctly and have a smooth canter or sit the trot smoothly and you're banging all over that horse's back and you're jerking all over their mouth because you don't have independent seat and independent hands yeah you can walk away from that ride and go home and retest um, and do the video we have to deal with the aftermath of that so you need to come in prepared to ride a horse and everyone makes mistakes i'm not saying that you need to be a perfect rider but if you know that you're not ready to do the sitting trot or you know that you balance on those reins and that's a default or you know that you slam and you have a bouncy canner work on that before you come in because you we are entrusting you with those horses same thing goes with teaching if you know you can pass the riding but um you maybe you're, you're not feeling confident in your teaching we're trusting you with our students so you know, they're coming out and a lot of times they're usually paying still for a lesson from a couple of you guys. Um, So you need to know what you're doing. Give them a quality lesson. Make them wish that you were teaching instead of us as regular instructors. You know, it's the best thing when a student walks out of the certification uh, lesson and says, oh my gosh, can they come back again? Are they coming back? Because that right there says that you probably did a really good job instructing. If you don't think you're going to pass and and you think that video is your saving grace, I would challenge you to kind of rethink if you're ready to go for certification at this time. Take a little more time to prepare. And going in and being nervous and like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready. And just knowing, oh, no, I I can't ride at this level or whatever. Those are two different things. You're going to have nerves. You're probably going to have a little bit of self-doubt. But if you go in planning to submit a video, check mindset, check motivation. Same thing mentors. If you're sending someone in and, oh, well, eh, you have the video, it's okay. Is that person really ready to go out and test? Um, So that was kind of my last tip overall. Uh, Anyone joining in live view, do you guys have um, any tips or that you would like to share that you've seen, or do you guys have any questions? I'm going to read through comments really quick because I can't, multitask, Um, so I'm gonna read a couple things. So Carolyn says, uh, thanks for the video. Could you possibly do a video on the PATH Advanced Certification and the process? Sure, yeah, I can do that. Um, I'd love to do that. It's been uh, seven, six, seven years, but yes, I can definitely go through the Advanced Certification process with you guys. Um, And what's really cool is once you go through the Advanced Certification process, the, mentor, the mentees I work with now, I almost gear them towards like halfway advanced level versus registered level because it over prepares you for registered certification and you go in more confident. But yeah, Carolyn, definitely. I can um, maybe next month that could be something that I do for the live instructor chat. And um, I can maybe even get some feedback from other advanced instructors as well. Uh, can we access this later to review? And if so, where? Uh, yes, Jody, you can. Access this video later, so what I usually do after this is I will close out the video, but it will be available um, on my timeline, so the hoof falls and Footfalls Facebook page timeline, but also um, I have my website hooffallsandfootfalls.com all spelled out, no ampersand, so it's all spelled out. Um, and there is actually a tab on there that says li- um, instructor chat replays or instructor chat archives, one of the two. I just redid my website, so I'm, I apologize for not having the wording. But look for the archives there and I actually um, have all of the months listed for all the instructor chats. And it will either be the direct link to the Facebook page or if the streaming and everything and the, the audio syncs up, I actually put it on my YouTube channel as well. So yes, you can access it later. Share it with other people who are going through certification. Share it with other mentors you know. Um, you know, reach out to me if you have any questions about the certification process. I I am here to help you guys with that. Um, I know it can be uh, a lot of information and a lot of you know new things going on, especially if you're not at a center that hosts workshops and certifications a lot. Sometimes um, you know you kind of go into it blind, even as a mentor because maybe you haven't tested in a few years yourself or haven't sent a candidate to test. So the reason why I'm so comfortable and familiar with all of this is because the center I worked for, uh, for nine years, we hosted registered instructor workshops and certs uh, twice a year. So I've seen hundreds of people go through this process and I've hosted them and you know had to do all those pairings and have heard questions and heard concerns and uh, seen wonderful tests and seen some not so great teaching and writing. Um, But if I weren't at a center that had hosted a bunch of workshops and certifications, I would definitely not be as as comfortable or or as familiar as I am with it. So, um, you know, we're here to help you. So reach out if you guys have questions. Um, If you guys have any tips or tips that you want to share with people, you can share as well because, you know, I don't know everything. Um, So share any tips you might have. If you want If you have a question about a specific thing during the certification or like preparation, shoot me a message, shoot me an email and I'd be happy to answer and I'll pop my email here um, in the link and I will also give you guys a direct link to my archive page for the instructor chat so you guys can access it later. And if you guys can do a like and a share of this video, I would truly appreciate that just because that helps with the Facebook algorithms and all that good stuff. Um, so if you guys could take a second to do that, that'd be much, much appreciated. And if you're watching on a live stream, if you could just drop a comment of like, you know, you're attending or who you are or whatever, that also helps, um, make sure that the hoof falls and foot fall stuff gets shared and, and shows up on other people's pages. Um, that's just how Facebook works. So I hope you guys have a wonderful evening or day or whenever you guys are watching it. Thank you guys for tuning in. And I really hope this was helpful. And if you're going for certification, good luck and remember to breathe. And uh, remember to prepare beforehand, and you will do great. Have a great night. And uh, remember to prepare beforehand, and you will do great. Have a great night.